When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome to this week's CHGO Red Stars podcast presented by PointsBet. Use promo code CHGO when you sign up to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. As you guys might have heard, I am not Sandra. Sandra usually does the opening show credit, but I'm Claire. I'm here. I'm I'm hosting this week. Sandra is out of town at a conference that actually many of our, our fine colleagues are at. But I am joined by a very special guest, Theo Lloyd Hughes. How's it going, Theo? Hello, hello. Good morning, Chicago. That's right. uh, it's going great. I'm very, very honored to be here. So great to be here with yourself, Claire. And I only hope I can be an ounce of what the uh, Sandra Herrera offers. I, I think we're we're to get maybe together, 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 combined, <laughs> together combined. We can five, bring like up to like fifteen percent we'll of there, the yeah. of the Sandra experience. So Theo, I mean, I feel like it would be remiss before before we get going if people, uh, you know, maybe can tell from from the accent. That that you are you were not born here in the states though you are you are a, a citizen of Texas now you live down in Texas but let's let's chat you know the big big soccer story over the last week which is England and the Euros and you wrote a very good piece for the striker about sort of your experience um, not being there right you you didn't go back home for the Euros and and you were you stayed in the states um, so maybe this is just you know this is you know it's NWSL relevant. Does it feel like every next day you're like, oh, it's a new dawn in, in women's football. This is this is the next next level, next step. How, how are you feeling on this Friday? Yeah, no, it's so true, Clay. I, I, I think there's a lot of pinch me. There's a lot of just sort of how long can the bliss, how long can it feel this good? How long can you wake up and feel like you're just living in a different world? And, and some of that is just the realization of of what this team uniquely brings, you know, mm-hmm. their stories, their achievements as well as like a little bit of this sort of uh, zeitgeist, what we've all won, which sounds very egocentric. And, you know, I did, I did write that piece and, and, and it was from the heart and I kind of uh, wrestled my editor's wrist and said, hey, this is what I'm feeling, let's publish it. But it, it, is, it is this interesting thing of like a lot of us are putting our own joy, our own kind of lives on these mm-hmm. 23 women who have in, in, in achieved something so incredible. And I guess that what I keep coming back to, and it goes to this thing of you wake up every morning and you're like, how did they do it? Is they just did it in such style you know mm-hmm. we will probably never see another eight nil in a euros right nil women's especially against a team with you know a ballon d'or winner on, on on in the 11 and and likewise that semi-final against sweden mm-hmm. and, and russo's goal and stuff like that i just think there was so much ferocity to that team which maybe is as an american football fan you're, you're kind of used to a little bit of, of being that good and and i think what makes the journey so special is that obviously England haven't been that good for that long. So this one really feels like the one. Um, and I know, you know, Meg Linan, who I'm sure, you know, all you listeners know, wrote a really good piece, which I think actually touched, looked at a little bit that touchstones on the athletic of like, there is 99, but there's also the beginning of journeys like 11. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think you could argue that this team, maybe they began in kind of 15, 
um, even before, you know, there's been two more coaches since then, but there is sort of a lot of these players have come through in that time. And, and obviously then, you know, what comes next? And I think, like you said, you wake up every morning as an England fan right now and, and, and things are just magical. But I think we're already thinking about the next World Cup olympics and then the euros after that like sure you know dynasty you like the, right that's that's the opportunity yeah 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 and and just the the, the reality that we're going to have back to back to back summers mm -hmm. of, of women's right. english football being in in the, in the public eye and i think it's it's massive and that might be unprecedented that might this might be mm -hmm. bigger than a 99 moment not to necessarily compare the two but no i think that's fair is, i mean i think it's, it's also just you know league capability to jump on on the momentum like you said the schedule's a little bit different back to back wasn't supposed to be that way euros were supposed to be last year exactly. um switching it over to nwsl this is one question like two more questions about this and then we'll get then we'll get rest our specific but that's um, contextual yes of course well that's <laughs> so you're an nwsl fan maybe you you know weren't one of the almost a million people who watched the game last uh sunday in the states hmm. um nwsl is this an opportunity or does it feel a little bit threatening is this the world catching up or is this like rising tides all boats everyone's excited from your perspective here i think everyone's excited i think there's never been a better time to watch the end of yourself there's never been a better time to watch or, or, or more availability to watch mm -hmm. women's football so yeah. i think in, in that fact it, it is a rising tides thing jen cooper shared a great stat which is rachel daly becomes the first ever nwsl player to be playing in the NWSL while winning a Euros, which yeah. I thought was interesting. So to that argument, you could argue that actually like, you know, we're now seeing the first Euros winner on an NWSL uh, a team. So maybe actually NWSL is getting more European. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's true. Um, Cause I would say the other leagues are probably catching up to where the NWSL has been. Right. But I, I think there is just a sense that, that football is getting better across the board and it doesn't always have to be a competition. I think we're going to see great players from the Euros come over here and mm -hmm. vice versa. And I think if anything, yeah, great football, great stories, what we saw in England, the emotion, um, capturing something that big after so long. I think that that connects with any any football fan and that connects with the NWSL. I think it'll connect with Central Americans. I think it'll connect with people in Southeast Asia. I think, yes, it'll have an effect on the NWSL, but I think it'll have an effect on world football. Yeah. Again, sounds a bit egocentric as an English person to say that, sure. but I think it will. And I think yeah. women's leagues are getting better around the world. And um, yes. I remember even, I, you know, watching the tournament and, you know, sometimes you start to root for the underdog against England or, or you're rooting, you know, I, I liked that Germany team a lot too, but mm. you do, you mm. sit there and you go, oh, I do think that the sport kind of needs this, it kind of needs this exact thing to happen from an objective perspective. Um, so last question, sort of big, big picture, because this leads us into the first Chicago game that I want to talk about, mm. um, because we're going to have to do a little bit of investigating because Chicago is on a, a two game losing streak is their first losing streak of the season. Heard there was a, a murder. That's a right. We're undefeated like, was murdered. That's right. No one, no one is allowed to leave the mansion until we find out who the culprit is. And um, the culprit might be the Houston dash. Perhaps <laughs> we'll find out. Um, but for you, Watching the Euros, obviously there were a lot of other international tournaments, Copa America Feminina, there was yes, Women's yes. Africa Cup of Nations, there was obviously CONCACAF W. Sandra and I talked about a little bit over the last couple of weeks, some of the challenges, but also great things about the NWSL continuing during that period. Mm. For you, pros and cons of playing games, well, attention, maybe national attention, bigger, you know, bigger pictures elsewhere, 
but that momentum does keep going kind of the moment this stuff stops. What do you think? Theo? Is it, is it the balance? Okay. Do you wish the NWSL would play less? What's your take on that? I think my take like a lot of things at the end of so kind of goes back to sort of, let's talk to the players. What do they yeah. want? And I think when you have spoken to some of the players, they're not really for it. They would yeah. like more time off in the summer. They would like not to be missing crucial games for their club teams who, you know, you thought someone like Alex Morgan, you know, she's supposedly connecting more with their club team ever before. So why should she go and miss three games to play in, in CONCACAF? Yeah. Um, that being said, I actually really enjoyed the last month of NWSL. I think it was some of the most interesting interesting football. And that was a tough yeah. one for Chicago. But, you know, covering Houston close closer than any other teams, as well as watching, you know, every team in the league. I thought it was really interesting to see some of these other players come out in the woodwork. Yeah. Houston, the Houston Dash without Rachel Daly have always been a very different kettle of fish. And that as a football fan is interesting. Yeah. Um, it, I think it begs the question of what could we do with the Challenge Cup? Could it be used slightly differently so that we it becomes more of a summer tournament and that way these players don't feel like they're missing crucial games that could cost playoffs, that could cost championships? I think right. the stakes seem a little bit too high. But the idea of the league taking four weeks off or something, I don't know if in this day and age you're going to see that happen. Right. Um, what's your take, Claire? I'm, I'm, I feel similarly. I think I also think that the World Cup next year is a little bit different than what we saw this year. Um, it's a big World Cup. It's a big World Cup. Big I, th- World Cup. I think big that I don't think it would necessarily be bad to take more time off next year than they did in 2019, specifically even just to give teams a chance to like plan infrastructure stuff for when mm. it's over um, rather than just having to, to play through it. Um, I think that you worry a little bit about rotation players, you know, having too much of a load, but I think you're right, which is that this is the period where you see emerging stars, you know, you even go back to gosh, like 2015, uh during that world cup mm. that was when sofia huerta like had her first big trajectory in the league i mean people talk a lot about crystal dunn but that's a little bit of an extenuating circumstance because no one quite plays like crystal dunn but um you know I-, I was thinking from a houston perspective right we saw ebony salmon have a very very good month uh while england was winning the euros and there's significance to that ebony salmon would like to be on that team eventually um, and I think that those kinds of opportunities are important. I agree that I think maybe you use cup ties instead of regular season and world cup is a little bit of a different monster. So I'm a little bit like, it's okay for this year. I think would love to have fresh eyes on it for next year. So let's talk about that Houston game, which Sandra and I talked about it a little bit over the last couple of weeks, but but you also watched it closely. And I, I think was, you, I was there. You were there. Oh, well, certainly closely. Then you got to see it. Then you, you've been reveling in, in these great performances all month. Then so this is, this is the, the game that Houston wins four to one. Um, and we didn't know going into the San Diego game, you know, we had the vacation week in the middle. We didn't know mm. if this was like, is this a one-off? Is this a little bit of a just mental isn't there for Chicago. They come back. They look a lot better. I think it's a little bit of a yes and no, but um, from your perspective, talking about what you saw from Chicago in that game, the timestamps of of the goal scores are a little bit damning, right? It's like beginning of that, beginning of the half stoppage time, beginning of the half stoppage time shows some mental let up, shows some mistakes. Did it feel to you like the, their system wasn't working or did it just feel like it wasn't working consistently enough against Houston? I think it was the second one. Mm-hmm. It wasn't consistent enough. Plus, to be totally honest, you know, being at that game, Houston just came out with a bit of mojo. Yeah. New coach. Everyone was fired up. I don't think we'd seen Houston that aggressive 
pressing, you know, ball, ball off the ball movement. Um, Natalie Jacobs got a, a, her first start of the season yeah. at right back, which was kind of random mm-hmm. um, in a 4-3-3. Houston had been playing a 3-5-2. I think there's a lot, not that you need to make excuses, but I think there was a lot that Chicago got thrown at them yeah. through having a new manager, stuff like that, that doesn't, you're not going to get that week in, week out. Ebony Salmon went on a tear. You know, she scores three or four shots. I actually thought uh, uh, Nair made an amazing save. Mm. Sorry, it wasn't there. It was Boyd. Uh, Boyd, Boyd, yeah, Boyd yeah, made yeah. an amazing save. To keep it uh, to only three goals, she she kind of Salmon. It was actually the best move of the game. Salmon kind of wiggled her way through to a one on one, and and Boyd somehow kept it out. So it could have been four. I think the dash were very very good that day, mm-hmm. and and Chicago just couldn't really get in their patterns. I think that again the the, the shape being able to match a three back and then seeing the dash press three sometimes um, sometimes four because Shea Groom just will always come up from the midfield. I think that made it really, really tough on that back three. And I don't think they were ready for that. And I don't necessarily hold that against the coach. If you'd watched the past five, six dash games, I think the, the dash have been down on, on you know, uh, PP, PPD uh, compared to a lot of other teams. And, sure. and in that game, they weren't. They I think they had three turnovers in the first nine minutes. So yeah. I, I kind of have a lot of, uh excuses for chicago yeah so it's so a little bit more a little bit more dash dash positive than, yeah, than maybe think, chicago I, negative yeah i don't know if you felt differently but and, and also you were still missing some big players nah, sure. you. well yeah I, but, I think, but you know houston was houston was too but right um, but they got sanchez back in that game and I that's true that is that, true she played like what 60 minutes she came back and played she quite played a bit, yeah. you know nearly all 90 three yeah. times in a row conquer calf they get yeah. knocked out early she comes back goes straight into the team i was surprised i think we were actually talking about it in a private yeah. chat group claire i was like there's no yeah. way maria's playing and, and that's another thing in, in the press conference juan said oh yeah don't worry about maria like we're just assessing her and then what you know she's in the starting lineup so there's right. kind of maybe a bit of mind games there as well and i thought chicago on that left side um because Maria actually played on the right in the Chicago game, something mm. she hasn't done at all this year. She's always been on the left. So again, another interesting tactical change. And I felt like Chicago were putting maybe too many players on her or maybe she is that good. Mm. But I think that opened up more space for yeah. Salmon and in, in, in the isolated front three um, where she was in the middle with Ryan Garis and, and Maria either side. And I think that that put a lot of pressure on on Kowalski and, and Milazzo, who, who, to be fair, have been very good. Um, right. But it's a it's a do or die kind of a system, right, where you do get pushed into one v one defending because inherently you're leaving space in behind when you push the wing backs forward. Yeah, um, I, I think probably for me, my takeaway from that game and even from the San Diego game a little bit is just it'll be really nice to have for Chicago to have Bianca and George back consistently. Um, I think that they, yeah. they, when the, the wingbacks that they've been running out have been sort of these converted forwards, not that St. George isn't also, but she has more experience in the role and some of the defensive properties have been lost. I think that not, not despite effort, but you talk about like turnovers, turnovers on the ball, tracking back, making sure that those spaces are covered things can happen very quickly and suddenly the three back gets caught out and that's how you get goal scored against, especially when you're playing a player who's playing as well as, as salmon was um, on the, on the other side of the ball. And this is a theme from, uh, from the Houston game through the San Diego game. Definitely the San Diego game. If Definitely I, the San Diego I, if I think game. I know what you're about to say, which is yeah. on chances. Yeah. So there's shooting efficiency. Let's, let's yeah. get into this and, and we'll, we'll talk to San Diego more specifically um, in, in a little bit, but let's start with the Houston game. So, they're getting shots. They are certainly getting shots. Um, and they are not hitting the target. 
And so again, there you've got Chicago. Sometimes Chicago can overload, right? Sometimes they're pushing three forward. Sometimes the advantage pushing... of the wing back system. Exactly like right. Sarah so... Lubert, I think, has been a great mm-hmm. addition. Fits yeah. in well. Yeah, exactly. And especially going forward, like Lubert's her, everything that she brings, a lot of that has to do with what they bring into the attack, but they're not turning those into chances that are good enough to really question goalkeepers. You know, you look at the, um, the XG maps and, and especially the, uh, the Houston game, you know, you see that Chicago got a lot of chances, Mm. but you of them were amazing chances. And so again, you were there and sometimes it's easier to tell in person of just like, where the tide is turning? Is this a momentum issue? Is it just players not on the same page? What did you see from the attack in that game? I think I saw a team who didn't really have a focal point. And I mm. think I'm sure that's something which, again, like a bit like Houston without Rachel Daly, the Chicago without Mal Pugh, it can right. be very hard to find that person that wants the ball. And I think even though they get numbers for it, it doesn't feel like you know exactly who's going to be on the end of the chance. And then if someone gets there, maybe they're not confident, they're not proficient, they're not experienced enough to get it on target or get that high XG chance that I think you're kind of alluding to. Mm-hmm. Like I said, system-wise, I think, you know, Petrocelli has shown a lot that it can work. The, the passing numbers, some of the possession numbers are, are pretty fresh for mm-hmm. Red Stars fans to be like, oh, wow, we can have this much of the ball and get yep. this many players forward. What you do when you get there, I think will be the interesting thing. And I think... I love uh, Bianca St. George's piece in the Equalizer this week. I know it was um, yeah, yeah. Uh, done during CONCACAF, but I think that that little bit of spice, that little bit of give me the ball energy yeah. is what they need. And, and we saw that at the beginning of the season with St. George. And 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 I think, yeah, I don't know, you know, if we want to talk about the wave game, but probably one of Mal Pugh's most effective uh, line-breaking, penetrating games of the season. And she doesn't yeah. really get on the box score. So... I think it really starts to create that. Yes, they were creating chances uh, last week. uh, You saw they had they had the good players getting in in the positions, and or at least Pew was kind of maybe handing it off to other people against the wave. And you're just waiting for that last thing to click. But there are still things to like. I wouldn't. It's not quite panic stations. I agree. I agree. It's it's one of it's. I would say that perhaps the timing of it in the season feels. That's maybe my biggest concern is just like okay, we were doing better with this before. Maybe it's because Chicago is actually pretty efficient at the beginning of the season. They were not mm-hmm. getting that many shots. They were like getting ten shots a game, maybe maybe even fewer, and getting maybe like a forty for or fifty percent ratio on goal, and that was what was driving um, their their early success. And some of that you attribute just to Pew being on a tear, right? You you have yes. a you have yes. a striker that can't miss for a while. And I was going to say the Challenge Cup games against I, there was someone in the comments. Sorry, uh, watch viewer, I didn't uh, acknowledge you, but there was a comment that came up saying like, "Oh, Houston always dominate Chicago." Well, no, because in the Challenge Cup there were two very, very even games where the yeah. only thing separate in the two teams was the, you know, the immaculate finishing of Mal Pugh. So Pugh, yeah. it's not always been this kind of one-sided Houston has the system set up against Chicago. It's like they can play things very close. And like you said, you have that X factor, you have that clinical finisher. Yeah. Um, and obviously, you know, on the wave game, Mal Pugh missed penalty. So it could have been, it could have been It could have, right. And, and we'll get to that in a second. But first, all I have to say is that if yes. you had been watching the Red Stars at the beginning of the season, maybe you go into these two games and you think, I'm going to put some money on them to win. And I hope you didn't do that. But maybe do it on the next one because the best way to support CHGO is to download the PointsBet app and use the code CHGO when you sign up. If you do that right now, you'll get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. But that's not it. If you make a $50 or more first-time donation, our first time deposit, not donation, de- deposit, you'll receive a free CHGO membership with unlocks 
all of our web content and you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO Locker. That's $2,000 in free bets, a free CHGO membership, and a free t-shirt from the CHGO Locker, all for making more than a $50 first-time deposit at PointsBet. If you have any questions, you can email pointsbet at allchgo.com and we'll help you out. for your. It's your home for live in-play betting. Uh, you can see an edge in the game that you're watching or your favorite team's making a comeback. Don't just watch the game. Bet along with it live. You can download the PointsBet app right now and use the promo code CHGO. And once the game starts, don't just bet. Live your bet life with points bet and if you have someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help call 1-800-GAMBLER for crisis counseling and referral services so moving on to the big wave the big wave game here this was better this was better actually from Chicago. yeah more painful maybe yes so that's what makes it harder to that's watch what makes it harder. <laughs> yeah you play against 10 players for 30 right. minutes or whatever it was you know? now now that that's also funny to me because not to get too wave specific but um you know, this was the first time I've gotten to see San Diego live this this season, mm. and it. I want to hear about that. I want to hear about Soldier Field, by the way. Can we? Yeah, so we'll we'll get we into call that. out a little bit of time for that. Yeah, I, maybe that's a good place to start. Is just you know there was the pomp and the circumstance. There was. Yeah. I thought I thought the game day was great. You know, I biggest end over attendance of the of the of the season of the season so far. That's right, and a lot of people stayed too, which I thought was great. It was a very hot day. A lot of people stayed out in the heat. Um, I was impressed. I have to admit, I have not seen, uh, this was my first MLS game at soldier field. Um, so I wasn't entirely sure what to expect. I was impressed. I was impressed by how much the fire have clearly spent on turning soldier field into a, an MLS venue for a day. It didn't um, feel too much like a sort of funny rental or like a, a I think costume. the worst part was the field to be completely honest. Like right. if, the yeah, thing that gives that. away yeah. that it's not really a soccer place is is just how poor the field was it, you could people people could even see the street the seams on the street oh, that rhymes seams on the streams, on um, streams. and and nice but, to be able to see anything on the streams for well us. right I'll take, the <laughs> yeah. I'll take the seams yeah um but yeah the video packaging was very good um i thought you know sandra and i talk about this a lot about even just i think mls stadiums do a better job of this too of getting music involved and the crowd involved and sort of giving this atmosphere that's not wholly dependent on what's happening on the field um and i think that it did a nice I job hear english football fans turning in their graves still. i know right i know <laughs> they're they're not big fans of the of the of the soccer dj yeah. but i don't know that's what it's what people come to I'm agnostic every east yeah. their own I, yeah. you know east their own yeah um i liked it i'll say this and this is a good segue into the game itself i liked it because it felt like a big deal Yes, and yes. I'm not sure every Chicago Red Stars game feels like a big deal, even when you're in the stadium, depending on how many people are there or, you know, what is done to SeatGeek itself to make it feel like their kind of home fortress. They've been very good at home this year, um, but that's also just by nature of, of before these two games, just not many losing many, but um, even though it was a single, you know, it was a single regular season game, it was against the wave. We know how well Alex Morgan fans travel, you know, rightly Biggest so. For the dash this year was against the wave. I yeah. don't think it's any coincidence. And, and, and that was cool to me. It felt very professional. It felt like something that the Red Stars players don't always get week in and week out, um, which is why the game being so dramatic was great. But I do wish that there had been maybe like a one goal for fans to, for fans to celebrate at home. Um, this one was a little bit finer margins, right? Like Chicago makes one mistake in the back and 
What Katie was going John, on there, by the way? I don't know. Because if mean, you watch it back, it's Zoe yeah. Morse, right? She, yeah. She gets, I think she gets confused or there's a call because she actually runs away from the ball. Right. She, it's really odd. Yeah. And then what's funny about it is she actually makes up the, she runs away from the ball, which is yep. bizarre because she literally goes in the wrong direction, but then makes up for it. So by the time Jaden Shaw gets the, gets in the position to score, she's actually the closest player to Jaden right. Shaw, even though yeah. she's the one who missed the ball over the top yep. to, to former Red Star Katie Johnson. I know, um, Katie Johnson. So it, it's a, it is a bizarre, bizarre goal. Very simple route one, you know. Yeah. Tough one. It's a tough one to give up, especially because I think Chicago had been feeling good about how they were controlling the game. Go ahead. Yeah. But flowers for Jane Shaw. Oh, 100%. Maybe one of my favorite touches at the end of a sort of season. Faking yeah. out Zoe Morse, who, yeah, yes. had a tough time on the goal. And, you know, one of the queens of the, of, of the last 10 years, Alyssa Nair. I mean, right. just what a way to enter yourself. And and I think people will remember that goal. But I actually thought she had a phenomenal 90 minutes. Then There's mm -hmm. a no-look pass in the second half where she, yep. you know, she tees it up with a teammate. She had that cross in for an Alex Morgan chance, which I think they're made it, or maybe Aaron Wright actually got the block on that uh, second chance in second half. So I thought Jane Shaw was just phenomenal. I know we're not here to talk about 17 year old. No, I think we should. Texas. No, it was part of the game. Uh, I mean, but yeah, of course. No, I thought Shaw, I thought when she started, I would say that I was a little bit nervous just in terms of the physicality and it was mm. a very physical game, but she did not miss a beat and you're right. And I think that sometimes people don't always appreciate we talked about this. I mean, this is like the flip side of the issue with Chicago, right? They get in front of goal and the difficulty of like keeping the, keeping your head, keeping the touch, keeping the shot down. Absolutely. And, and Shaw was able to do that in her first, her first ever real chance as an NWSL player. And you go like that. That's it. That's it. Yep. And That's some of that you can't teach. Soccer. Some of that I think you can see how well she, you know, she's someone who's obviously like studied technique. She yeah. obviously, like, you can imagine she's probably the hardest working person at her club side. You know, mm -hmm. she's 70, she's still in, in high school. Yeah. Um, but I also think, like you said, there is a certain pulse, mm -hmm. like an ice in the veins. It's just such a cliche thing to say, but to walk on to Soldier Field as well, yep. 24,000 people. I mean, that was a mo almost the moment of the season for me. Yeah. It was really. It was great to see. I do wish the Chicago could have gotten one back, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so, so this game, the wave also are interesting in that, uh, as we know, people talk about how they don't really play through the midfield and, and that ended up really being true in a way that I think worked in their mm -hmm. favor, actually weirdly as Abby Dahlkemper was sent off. That was also a very dramatic moment. Um, a bit of a refereeing moment where, um, you know, Chesky pulls the play back because she's issuing the red card Pew is in completely in behind 100% in on goal. There are some photos of it, of just the emotional uh, journey that Mal Pew goes on thinking first that she had been called for the foul. And then just the relief, maybe that doll Kemper had been called for the foul. And then just still sort of this blind rage of not having, <laughs> not being able to continue that like the only thing she can do. And I do love it when players do this is she just pulls her hair tie out and she's just like, well, I'm going to fix my hair about it. You know, um, when the hair tie comes out, you, that's when you know, you it's know serious. It's, the game's gone. Yeah, it's true. Um, but that was again, ironically, probably Chicago's best looking moment, that chance in behind, which didn't obviously come to anything, but that was the most, it seemed like space in behind that, that Pew was getting. Um, 
this is another another question that I don't really know the answer to. I know some people. So yeah, this is this is a good comment in in the chat talking about how Pew needs more people to play off of, and that is actually my question as well. Which is sometimes with Pew, it can feel where it's like it's dribble, 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 head down, shoot, right? Or you know, I think San Diego had like eight or nine blocked shots in this in this game, meaning that you had players who were not looking for that great you know final pass it was a lot of just like i don't care if there's two defenders in front of me i'm gonna shoot the ball um is that something where at this point of the season right do you think pew is could have her head up more a little bit more of a head on a swivel or do you think that this is kind of her rightly figuring out like what the team needs and making the decision that what the team needs maybe is for me just to take it look and and try to try to sink a couple what do you think theo I I think with Mal Pugh, absolutely mm-hmm. take go and sink a couple. Yeah, I don't yeah. think we're I mean, we're talking about a top five player in the NWL. Right, you know who knows where in the world. I think Mal Pugh's graduated to, you know, I'll take him if I want him. Yep. Uh, that even PKs. <laughs> yeah. yeah, even PKs, even PKs. Which, to be fair, I actually thought was a very good save for Kevin Sheridan. It was not that bad of a kick. I mean, any savable penalty flowers. isn't your best, but I thought that was an incredible save by Kaylin Sheridan. Yeah, and it's funny as well because obviously we just wrapped up the Concacaf where Kaylin Sheridan was sort yeah. of frustrating. I mean, I think it was Sophia Smith more than Pew, but what a performance to go from doing that with Canada to doing that against Chicago. Anyway, in this game, I actually thought, you know, yes, Pew can do whatever she wants, in my opinion. I don't think she necessarily needs to look for a teammate, although there's definitely discussions to talk about her connection with Ava Cook. Yuki's back. Maybe she should be trying to use Yuki more as maybe like a deeper cut Mm -hmm. where you kind of, you go towards goal, you draw the attention that way. And actually it's, it's maybe away from goal, you know, the kind of Man City kind of classic route of just trying to get that tap in rather than, than going straight for goal. You're actually kind of bringing players away. But um, I actually thought she did well in this game, in my opinion, trying to bring other people in the game. And I actually think some of Chicago's best chances or best looks, maybe beyond the penalty and, and the red card, like you said, were from Pew actually driving from a deeper position. And I think that's something which could be really useful as well, because what you get there, and I think it, it was a bad game for Emily Van Egmond or, or just a, a game where Pew made Emily Van Egmond look very normal. Yes. But if you can push that, um, you know, those blockers, those, those central defensive midfielders back and get them running backwards if you're if you're a player like Emily Van Eggman who, who can't swivel that well anymore I thought I thought it made San Diego look very uncomfortable yeah and I think not many players in the league can do that are as technically gifted as Pew are as good at shifting their body not letting the the defender know where they're going and I think you know I remember against Houston in the Challenge Cup she did that very very well to Alicia Chapman who usually is a very good one-on-one when the ball's in front of her defender she's not as good when the ball's behind her but she's mm-hmm. usually very good when the ball's in front of her and Pew made Chapman look very normal mm-hmm. And and I think Pew could be really good from deep. And that's where you need your Ava Cooks to kind of step up right. and get on the end of it. Or maybe it's that wing back slotting in Luba or, or St. George coming in late. So I don't know. I, I kind of thought this was a better game for Pew being less selfish. Yeah. But yeah. I don't think you're ever going to tell her to be more. She's allowed to be more selfish, in my opinion. Yeah. Something that I've noticed, and I've mentioned it on the show before, is is this is something that Pew does in I, she again this is her rightfully seeing the situation around her and reacting to it it's something that she does do at least oh god six seven times a game and she'll have the ball and she'll advance it and she'll mm. be looking mm. and she will really not like what she sees and she'll turn around and recycle she will recycle the ball all the way back through so she will she'll go forward if it's not there you can actually see kind of the wind come out of her sails she's trying to accelerate 
she pulls back and she will fully turn around and kick it right back to, to Vanessa DiBernardo or, or Danny Colaprico to fully reset possession, which smart possession, right? Don't turn it over. But so you, you're also you like, why, that. why can she not pass forward guys? What's happening? Where, where's the looks where, where are the other switches that she can make? Um, and, and I think we saw that in this game as well, though, again, you know, Chicago, maybe this is where, this is where Lawrence, we can pull up, pull up the pass mapping for, for the, the San Diego game on, on Chicago's side. And here we go. Yeah. So not terrible, really. Like, I think you look at the shape, the shape makes sense. They were running through Lubert more than Hill, which Lubert's at this point the more attacking player. Um, I thought Yuki had one of her better games of the whole season, to be honest. Yeah, it feels um, like that connection's still growing, but I agree. Yeah. I thought it was one of the better games. Yeah, and and so it's all running through Pew. They get that focal point back, right? Um, and so a little bit too is maybe just bad luck, and also this element of playing against ten because San Diego doesn't really play with the midfield. When when Dahl Kemper came out, they brought Kaylee Real in, mm. and that was kind of it. The defense reset. So it's not so much that they were missing a defender. It was that they were missing an attacking midfielder. And because they already had that goal ahead, they were fine to sit that out. Um, and I think that Chicago did just get genuinely a little bit unlucky though. Again, I think their shots to shots on goal was like 21 to either four or six. And I'm not, I'm not sure which. Yeah. I yeah. think it was 21 to five or something like yeah. that. I think you're yeah. right. Um, yeah, and I, I, I think going back to that playing against 10 players, like, you know, again, Pew, if, you, if you're leaving space behind, is is deadly. Pew is capable of, of running up even when she's in front of the defender. But when you're playing against 10, they're never going to give you any space. They're going to get right. deeper and deeper. And 59% possession, obviously the Red Stars end with. Um, yeah, it's just a really tricky position to be in. I think looking at that pass map and, and going back to this idea of where's the ball's going, I, I would like to see Yuki get a bit, more central and i think yeah you know d, d bernardo and Calabrico, i think of having very very good seasons and yeah. showing once again chicago is sort of a midfield first team to some mm -hmm. extent and then you let pew finish it off but i think you maybe could have a more traditional number 10 linking up with pew and giving her someone to shoot off and or you know play the brawl behind the line for pew and maybe ava cook needs to look at go and watch some elise bennett tape i think yeah. she's been a fantastic forward this year for kansas city who doesn't get necessarily the showy plays, but it does a really good job of making space for the other forward right. by making those runs and kind of almost being like an assisting forward. Right. And I think Ava Cook at the beginning of the season did have a few assists and was kind of getting in a position where she could make space for others. But I really think that's what Pew needs. She needs someone to be pushing that line forward and set and kind of making the run Pew doesn't want to make. Right. And then you can let Pew finish it. So you, you either need Yuki as... Uh, someone who can finish or you need someone to be taking the run just right. busting a gut working hard which i think ava cook can do yeah and, and that makes the space for pew i also think that they could probably be subbing sarah griffith in a little bit earlier i think mm. um especially if you're kind of knocking on the door the way they had been i think griffith came in in like the 70th minute something like that and she's a player that can open things up even just by way of you know young fresh legs she's got a good sense of of movement and i think that if you are again if you're trying to chase a game maybe that sub needs to happen a little bit faster. And then, yeah, with Cook, Cook, it seemed like she was focused a lot on being in positions to receive the ball, but not necessarily doing the work prior to that to get into those spaces where it's more of a, like, like uh, this is a terrible analogy, but she's, like, trying to be a post player, like a basketball-type post player, yeah. where she's like, yeah, I'm posted up. I'm ready. I'm here. I'm ready for the ball. But you can't stop 
there. You have to, you have to have that next step. And that's also, you know, true rookie. I think that will come with time. It's an education. Yeah. Um, and that's also, you know, part, again, we're, we're the part of the season, the part of the season that they're in is the only thing that gives me a little bit of pause. Cause I'm like, if we're still working this stuff out, it's well, two games. yeah, I know. Off a nine that's, unbeaten that's streak. Fair. I mean, that's, that's fair. That's ridiculous. fair. I know I'm spoiled. I'm so spoiled. Well, I think it always, I, whenever, you know, I think I, I talk to a lot of fans all the time because I'm always very curious. I feel, I feel like a lot of fans in Houston or whatever, or, or wherever I, I've been talking to a lot of Gotham fans recently because the dash by the Gotham last mm. weekend, people get very emotional very quickly. Although to be fair, Gotham are actually on are actually on a bad run i would say i would say if you're a gotham or a racing louisville fan you're allowed you're allowed to complain yes everyone else it's pretty much the nwsl that's what i say it's just impossible to have a really good streak in this league and that's what makes it so enticing chicago is a great example nine games unbeaten and here we are two games later and being like oh you know is the system wrong does pew need a partner right um and i guess the question i want to ask you if you've heard any whispers or if you just want to play kind of uh predictor or look into your crystal ball you know we have 18 days left of the transfer window Mm. would chicago try and bring someone in maybe in that number 10 or or as a kind of center forward role if you You feel like maybe ava cook is is not the person for 2022 yeah that's a really good question i think this is another sort of you talk about getting into chicago brain which is just you know they they've done really well with the talent that they have they drafted really well really well they have not been ambitious in the transfer market at all for about the last calendar year, right? Um, and and no no really big splash signings. I think they they brought Chelsea Dauber in from Australia. Yuki she, came home. Yuki came home exactly. Um, I think I I would be surprised if there was any sort of splashy signings. To be honest, people have been waiting for them to sign another center back just to to shore up that three back. And we put this in the headline of the show. You know, Aaron Wright played in the three back against San Diego. And some of that is needing that veteran presence and she can totally do that. But some of it is just like, you can't run a three back with three available bodies. That's not going to necessarily work throughout the rest of the season. Um, Who I would like to see is a really good question. Um, You know, the funny thing is actually what I want. Here's what I really want. And this is a very Chicago answer because it doesn't tell me what you want. Doesn't involve doesn't involve going out and getting a player at all. I think ah. um, things get fixed if Morgan Gatra can get yes. some playing time, and then she and Colaprico can play in the six, and then they can just re-sign Vanessa Di Bernardo as the ten again, and and so you have that player. That's what yes. Get closer to goal, I think is that's a great point, and that's also like something I love sometimes about good teams or good players, and, and Gatra mm-hmm. is a great example where you really kind of realize how good they are when they go away. Yeah. And then you realize how much, if you're a six that can do a lot of work on your own, you actually let those other players attack more. And like you said, that's where you get those numbers in the box. It's where you get a more experienced player being able to finish off those chances. Yeah. And I think that's a great point. I think um, in in the dash kind of cosmos, uh, when Sophie Schmidt goes away, I think it's the same thing for them. Yeah. I think she is just an elite number six and and, and has had a really amazing year. Yeah. 18, 18 months, two yeah. years really. Ever since the Challenge Cup, I feel like before that, she she was not playing at her best. And I really yeah. think she's been amazing. This is year. a true aside, but I'm just so impressed by how she was on the Canada bubble at the beginning of 2021. And then now it's like, nope, she's, we need her. I mean, it's a competitive group. You think yeah. about Grosso and, and right. Fleming, not necessarily sixes, but eights. And, right. you know, it's 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 going to be an interesting thing, that Canada team going into next year's World Cup. But I think yeah. Schmidt, both for the national team and, and for Houston, has really, you, you when she goes away, you're like, oh, that's what makes Schmidt a really good number six. 
Yeah. Um, and, and this is, this is a good seg to, to, we'll talk about the, the Gotham game coming up this weekend. Cause they do have a chance to write the ship. Ooh, Pew and vibes. Pew and vibes. That's the, that's the analysis from Nate. Harsh, harsh um, on Tatum. Who's having kind of a borderline team of the year. Yeah, that's uh, true. Season. That's true. I know we need to get, we need yeah, to get some, give Tatum some love. She hasn't had a good couple of weeks, in the chat. I'm a big fan. A big yeah. Fan. They, I was going to say, well, they've got vibes. I would say they've got vibes in every position. You go back goal all the way through. It's like, they've, they've got four vibes players, not just, not just one, not just one. Um, but yeah, talking, talking about positions, this isn't even going to be a good seg cause I just want to get to it and get out. Let's go ahead and go to another ad break. We are brought to you this week by Owen only what you need. O W Y N. It is a 100% plant-based protein shake that gives you nutrition that works as hard as you do. All of their products are free of artificial ingredients, allergen friendly, no gluten or dairy, easily digestible. You know, Sandra and I have been joking a lot over the last couple of weeks about how like we felt like we needed some Owen during this, during this international period, just something you can grab and go, Theo, I know you're about to be a first time dad. Maybe this is the kind of thing that you need. Just Load to, like, me up, who's I got mean, time for, who's got are. time for meals? You just need to grab, grab some Owen and go Owen and CHGO have partnered up to give you an awesome offer. You can get 20% off your first purchase at liveowen.com. That's L I V E O W Y N.com with the code CHGO 20. Check it out. Hit Owen up, fuel your day. Um, speaking of a team that might need a little bit of a, an unce, a little bit of a, Hey Claire, before we jump into the Gotham match, I just yeah. wanted to bring up this. Uh, we got a super chat oh. a little earlier. Okay. Nine ninety nine. Thank you, Jake Flanagan. Yay! He says, "Here's for the Red Stars, stacking W's over the final nine regular season matches." That's right. Great show. And Thank then I you, also, Jake. Yeah, hundred percent. Thank yeah. you, Jake. Jake, um, you are stacking W's. Let you're stacking you dubs yes. right now, my dude. Absolutely. And I just wanted to show off the tailgate pick of you guys. Oh yeah, there we are. That's right. It was match. fun. I this was so warm. I had just walked up and it was so sweaty. But yes, I was so <laughs> happy black. to be there. <laughs> tactical. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah right. Very tactical. Yeah. Um. But but yeah. No. This the the tailgate was great. CHGO held held our our you know fire our fire red stars tailgate. Um, a lot of tailgating going on in a way that felt really community focused and in a way that, again, you don't always necessarily get out in, out in Bridgeview. So yeah, that was, it was a great, I had a great time. I had a better time than I thought I was going to. I'll be completely honest. I had really enjoyed it. Um, one of my, one of my absolute favorite memories from the last year's NWSL season was in Louisville championship final. The Red Stars fans were absolutely yep. phenomenal. The tailgate was exceptional. The yep. vibes were immaculate. I spent a lot of time sitting behind the red red stars goal when I was walking around the stadium and uh, yeah, the fans were brilliant and it's, it's great to see another update from the tailgate. Scene. That's right. That's right. The tailgate tailgate culture is real. It's a, it's an important, I, it, talk about again, another thing that's an important part to, uh, to American sports culture. You got to come in and be able to bring the tailgate. Um, we are back at SeatGeek stadium this weekend, going back to Bridgeview, um, back to, you know, home, home, sweet home, real home, sweet home. Playing Gotham. Now, this one's interesting to me because Gotham really needs to win this game. But Chicago oh kind of feels like they need to win it too, probably, just to sort of get out of this rut. Um, you are probably actually a good person to talk to about Gotham too because you did just see Houston play them. Um, I keep waiting for Gotham to figure it out. And it just has not happened yet. Um Maybe doing a little bit. You can be our scout. You can be our scouting report guy. If if you were Chicago, and you're putting the the tactical plan together, what about Gotham? Do you like 
it like your chances against and what against about Gotham do you worry about do you think organization yeah set pieces simple as uh very very poor uh against the dash you know whether it was the overall organization or how they were keeping that back line it's it's not an ability question Estelle Johnson Mandy Freeman right. players I really really like um but they did not have it together um, against the dash. I think, you know, a bit like I was talking about the kind of runs Ava Cook could make. I actually really love um, the run Ebony Salmon makes for Shea Groomscott because she mm-hmm. draws Estelle Johnson and Mandy Freeman. She gets yep. the two players marking her yep. and that creates the lane for Shea Groom. And that's exactly the kind of thing where like, yes, in one, in one way it shows Ebony Salmon's brilliant, but in another way, you know, Estelle Johnson, and Mandy Freeman, you gotta be talking to each other. Right. Um, so I think they're they're really disorganized at the moment. You know, they had a goal, uh, own goal from a corner and a penalty as well. So there's mistakes, there's lack of organization. This Gotham team right now, I think is 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 really, really low on confidence yeah. and, and low on organization. So that's yeah. huge. And again, the quality of players the Red Stars do have, you can definitely hurt them. On the flip side, Ife Onimonu should be back from COVID. Right. Feeling very well rested after helping Nigeria to qualify for the next year's World Cup. That's right. Um, Christy Mewis uh, maybe didn't have her best game against the Dash, but is having a very good season. And we all mm-hmm. know how good she can be, especially on attacking set pieces. Yeah. And Midge Per scored one of the goals of the year. Yeah, right. They and still have those. They still have those still have really these pieces. talented players. And, yeah. and I, I think the midfield's not right. The balance isn't right. Whatever Parkinson wants to do there, I think he's still figuring it out who he wants to play. This, this is a team where they don't know their best 11, which I think if you're Chicago is great because I think right. Chicago maybe is one of the more continuity kind of focused teams in this league, whereas Gotham's probably at the other end. I think, you know, I, I, I in my prediction, I thought Betos would start in goal on Sunday. They step, they stuck with Harris. Yeah. I, I think that's up for grabs. I well, think- that's the thing too, is like with Gotham, the thing that you just don't know is when do the radical changes begin? You know, when, when does that happen? And yeah. maybe the answer is never, you know, but you never know when it might be that weekend. Is it the weekend that Betos plays and, and Harris sits? Is it the weekend that, they make midfield changes to try to balance things out. Like you don't. Cujo. Yeah. Ex- Are we going to see Cujo this weekend? Uh, when will she return from war? We all yeah. want to know. Yeah. No, it feels like there's changes to be made, but I yeah. think I, if I was a Red Stars fan, you know, you, you talk about this again, Gotham has to win the game. Red Stars have to win. I would be a little bit nervous because yeah. again, the wing backs, the space there. Yeah. Zoe, Zoe Morse, like I said, had a well, good and season. Gotham, Gotham's really hurt Chicago on the counter in the past. That is something that they can do. Yeah. And I think Midge Purse is playing with that kind of team on my back energy, which is, yes. again, you know, I think we've talked about Mal Pugh having that, but her ability has always been good. But I think she's absorbing a little bit more of that. I'm the kind of Gotham team leader. And, and I think there's a lot of personalities in this Gotham team. I think, you know, you talk about organization. I think sometimes it's a little bit like, are we playing Christie ball? Are we playing right. Midge ball? Are we playing Harris ball? Right. Uh, you know, I always thought Estelle Johnson was a great leader down there as well. But sometimes you maybe need one person. Yeah, to kind of take control. Well, I was gonna say we they, we were they're joking that like Chicago is is pew and vibes, but like Gotham is more like when vibes go wrong, you know. Yes, it's sort of like Gotham reminds me of when you're at a house party and everyone is trying to get on the ox. Yeah, and you only get through thirty seconds of every song, and then yeah. someone like puts on some like dodgy remix that you right. definitely don't want to hear and then everyone's like a little bit annoyed and upset about it and now you're just like oh no are we fighting and then right, you never yeah. dance and you yeah. never dance and part of me feels like at this point maybe it's give the ox to midge yeah um i agree and so that. yeah I, I do i would worry that you know even if, if st george is back in there's going to be a lot of space on those wings and i, I could is. see i could see midge purse really having a good game and, and if he's one of my favorite forwards in this league um although it will be interesting to see how she goes against a back three because that that you know maybe that numbers advantage will be something she's not used to um 
I need to go back and look at how she does against back threes. I'm kind of speaking a little bit out of lack of knowledge there, but it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Yeah. Um, I think like with a lot of Gotham performances, it's spotty. I think that she's, I think that it just, it just depends. So we do one, one more final ad read before I'll let you go in a second, Theo, because I know you got big things ahead, but I do want to briefly, before we switch over to our final big picture questions, shout out our last sponsor, which is athletic greens. Again, we're getting healthy. We're getting we're getting our our 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics and adaptogens to help you start your day right. The special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus and even aging. All of those things. It is lifestyle friendly, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy free free or gluten-free. It costs you less than $3 a day. Investing in your health and is cheaper than your cold brew habit. Recommended by professional athletes and average users aside, Athletic Greens. Everyone could use it. You want to be a little bit more like these athletes that, that, you, uh, that you like so much. Eat healthy. It's good for you. It's August. It's summertime. It's hot. Get your, get your nutrients. Get your vitamins in. Um, At Jenna Tonelli. Put down the cold brew. That's right. Put down the cold brew. Get your Athletic Greens. So, the a couple a couple kind of to close out close out a couple big closest thing out yeah uh just and, and this is truly i'm just curious because i i don't think we've you know we've never this is your first time on on the mic here at chgo it's been um, a pleasure by the way i'll get that in thanks yeah, again thank lawrence I'm on the so, ones this and twos is, this is so right behind fun. mike um chicago i mean this is a chicago question but i think it's it's a good Love houston it. question too because i think at the beginning of the season we saw houston we've seen chicago and houston stick around in that top three, four, five, six. And those are maybe the teams more than anything. Yeah, we've got this right here, the standings, looking at it. People are like, you know, Portland's going to make their move. Oh, Rain's going to make their move. We know this. But Houston and Chicago, they look like they have some staying power, right? We look at the end of, of the season, maybe playoff picture. Theo, are you expecting to see these two teams in the mix? um you know it goes back to what we were saying before about the nwsl staying power is 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 a two-week affair in in the nwsl sometimes i think this league is gonna is gonna chop and change and bounce around so again i think if by the end of this weekend red stars might not be in the top six in two weeks they could be even further away from the top six that's true that doesn't mean i don't think they'll be there in the end of the season yeah what i'm trying to say this is i don't really think you can look we're still talking about how you know carolina and washington it's like you never know you know yeah. yeah, I think yeah. Washington are a really weird case. I don't want to deviate too much, but yeah. like their numbers, uh, you look at some of the analytics, they've kind of been okay for here and there. They seem to be right. very unlucky. That might come back around. But the problem with Washington is they have played a lot of games, which right. is like they're the running out of the courage yes. who have this big bank account of games right. that they might be able to cash. Yeah. Um, I, I think I do think Chicago will be in the playoffs. To kind yeah. of answer, fully answer your question, I definitely think top six. Where yeah. in the top six? I don't really it's know. It's hard, really still hard to say. I and think. I don't think they care. I think there's no. a little bit of that in Houston as well, if I'm being yeah. totally honest. Houston have never made the NMSL playoffs. I know. That is something that even the most annoyed Chicago fan cannot comprehend. Right. So I do think some, some of these players, some of these clubs are just dying to be in that top six. You get there and who knows what can happen. Look at the Red Stars last year. I know there's right. a lot of asterisks and kind of, you know, last year was a very emotionally draining season. But, you know, the players on the pitch did what they did. Right. And, um, yeah, I think top six is definitely where I see Chicago at the end of the year. Um, I think Kansas City are, are, are maybe ones to watch. I agree. Both if you watch their games, they're kind of a weird team. Yep. And I think if you look at the data, they're one of the only teams in the league who are kind of actually performing where the data says. Yes. You know, a team like Houston right now, 
They're any, over. Oh, Houston's overperforming. Way, like way performing, overperforming to, to a degree, which I would have to go back and look. But yeah. I almost feel like we've never seen a team overperform like Houston right now. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't mean I don't think they. I don't, it doesn't mean I. What am I trying to say? That doesn't mean I think Houston is going to crash. And right, burn, right. Right. But we'll probably see a, a little bit of a drop off. Um, but Kansas are kind of the team who are actually performing as well as they are, albeit Franch is having, I would say, an M, you know, an MVP or at least yes. goalie of the year season. Agreed. So can she keep up those levels? She's one of the best. Why not? Yeah. But I think, yeah, Kansas are going to push Chicago really hard for that six. Houston are going to push Chicago really hard for that six. Um, I do see them probably both making it maybe at five and six, but I think yeah. it's going to be really but, good. Yeah, I think you're right. I think, you know, Chicago, they talk about wanting to make top four. They were very proud of making top four last year, despite, mm. you know, the, the issues that they had. Um, but no, Chicago's hurt. They've got a lot of absences. They had a lot of turnover in the offseason, and they're very young. And so I think for them, playoffs is a huge win. Um, so last one, last note I want to end on here is yeah. is I, I wrote about this this week, and and we did see, uh, we saw a big Chicago Red Stars departure. We don't want to miss this. Um, Alyssa Motts, who has been with the team, since the very beginning, she even played with Chicago in the WPSL elite before the NWSL even existed. Um, Pulling out. I know. And, and she's someone that, and, and I, I, I think the piece is unlocked. So I if, go, go check it out on all chgo.com. I read if you it. Wanna so read. it must be unlocked. Yeah, it must be unlocked. So if you want to, if you want to read Alyssa Mott's story, um, <laughs> this is you exposing yourself. You don't subscribe. No. It's, yeah. um, uh, so she, she's a player that, her locker room presence has been very important to the team and, and even more so perhaps in the last couple of years when she's been dealing with some, some off the field, some on the field, it's very serious injuries and some off the field, um, personal, um, you know, adversity as well as just being a through line for a team that doesn't have that many anymore. You know, there was a very uh, emotional moment between Vanessa Bernardo and Mott's, um, because this is a piece, you know, this was the last player that that would have been there, Di Bernardo's rookie season. Um, not that they're, you know, not that Colorpico came in the year after that. We saw Gatral come in four or five years ago. But it some of those pieces, those historic red stars that have been around forever, were nearing the end here for for a couple of them. Um, but Theo, all I want you to tell me is just like why it's so great that she's moving down to the great state of Texas to be assistant coach at Texas A&M. Give the pitch. Well, she's returning home. Uh, you know, she went to A and M, and I think, you know, you I think your piece does a really great job of of kind of looking at the scope of women's football. It, it feels like a nice bookend because we started talking a little bit about England, and maybe we didn't talk as much about the legacy of a player like Jill Scott, sure, who, right. who is, is sort of Mautsian. Am I saying right. that right? Yeah, Mautsian, 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 yeah, Mautsian. Right. Uh, yeah. You know, these are players who who experience yeah. the game at a very very different way to it is now. Yeah, and I think for her to leave with the Soldier Field game was kind yeah. of beautiful, and, and you yeah. put that very eloquently in your in your piece. And I love the way you know Divinado is supposedly someone who doesn't show much emotion, and here she was. You know, the, yep. the straw that broke the, right. the camel's emotional camel's back was was Mounts. Um, but yeah, I think A and M is. I think people forget because it's in the SEC and it's in Texas, which has not been a traditionally uh, mm -hmm. strong NCAA kind of state or even a strong women's soccer state. I think we, it's for a different podcast, but I think we're about to see a wave. Of the Texas. youth, the about youth Shaw, right? It's like, yeah. Yes, I and I think yeah. Mount's going back to A&M, which has kind of been the best school in that state, although yeah. they're being pushed very hard right now by TCU and, 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 and my alumni, my uh, alma mater, uh, Texas Longhorns, I do think A&M have been, uh, you know, by far ahead, the best school. And and she played under, under the current coach, G, G. Guerreri. Um, So, you know, she's going back to kind of 
create the next generation of Alyssa Mounces. And I think yeah. when you're a player who's seen what she's done and experienced the type of success, heartache, you know, those back-to-back ACL injuries. And yeah. also, like you said, playing in these leagues and this legacy of where women's football kind of is in the United States right now, I think it's an awesome position. Amy Rodriguez kind of did something similar with yes. arguably less fanfare than Mounce. Right, I know. Yeah. Bizarre at least, say, at least you know. Moth got like a nice framed jersey and right, yeah. yeah. Can yeah. we, I mean, I, I I don't know what happened with Amy Rodriguez. We're gonna we're gonna have to eventually we're gonna have to double back to that and just Talk like about, force can we her get her to... a Carly Lloyd tour? Like right, I will exactly. personally fund an Amy yeah. Rodriguez Carly Lloyd esque tour. Um, but yeah, I think it's huge. And 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 AM is is in a in a bit of a state of transition. If you want a bit of kind of on the ground yeah. NCAA soccer chat, um, they had their kind of they didn't make the the tournament for the first time in I think 13, 15 years um, last year. Uh, saw a lot of. A lot of young players come in and get minutes and not reach the heights that that program is used to. Players like, um, sorry, my, my brain's gone. The the Venezuelan Texan, who am I thinking of? Barbara. Who are you thinking of? She's phenomenal. She's absolutely phenomenal, but my brain is gone. Yeah. She plays for the Rayadas, but she's from Houston, actually. Mm-hmm. She grew up in Houston, a few miles away from the Dash Stadium. Uh, forgive me, listener, for not remembering it. Anyway, she left AM uh, after her sophomore year to go and play pro in the mm. Liga Femenil. She plays for Venezuela. She's a phenomenal player. And so they, they, there's a bit of tension there where these young players have come in. They obviously recruit very well, one of the best recruiters in the state, but they haven't lived up for their expectations. So I think yeah. it's a really cool time for Mouse to come in and maybe show a bit of veteran leadership. Obviously, the coaches, head coach has been there for a long time. Yeah. And, um, you know, they, they have all, all the chance in the world of being very, very successful this year. And, and I really look forward to watching her as a kind of blossom as a coach. I think it's a, a really great spot for her to be in. Agreed. Love to see Barbara it. Sad to Olivieri see it. Barbara is who There you go. You. Barbara Thank Olivieri. You. Oh, my God. I got on the Google. on the keys. I was like... I, I really apologize, Texan Barbara. Barbara, and it yeah. came up right away. <laughs> you got I it. have spoken to Barbara. I have reported <laughs> on her AM. I reported on her going to riot us. I'm a huge fan. Of She's course, that's Houston. that's big. That's big. We've been talking for an hour, brain. It just it happens. Hey. Yeah. I know. I was like, yeah. I, honestly, name to watch: Barbara Olivieri, phenomenal. Yeah. She scored a sensational free kick winner against Argentina in the under twenty Copa America yeah. Femenina. One to watch. Well, that is the perfect way to close it. Thank you so much, Theo, for joining me. This was That's great. I didn't pleasure. even realize like what a perfect scout you were going to be for some of the for some of the uh, the the opponents coming up for Chicago this week. But this is this worked yeah, it kind of worked out. Gotham, yeah, Houston, Gotham, Texas A and M, you know, all, kind of my, all my favorite places. So uh, so here's the Chicago figuring it out. They've got all the pieces there. Uh, not trying to add more misery to Gotham FC, but I think Chicago fans. Want them to close this one out. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. This has been CHGO Red Stars. We'll catch up with you next week, hopefully talking about a Red Stars dub.